Welcome to My One Question Is. This is a monthly podcast at the intersection of art, race, story, and hope. We're calling it an adventure in listening. We're asking questions. We're amplifying voices in the Akron art community. We want to break down cultural barriers through art and conversation. Welcome back to My One Question Is, a podcast by the Akron Art Story in partnership with the Knight Foundation. This month, we're talking about gratitude, and we're excited to share the stories of two artists we talked to, Jenny Gao and Anagukwe Wolf. Both are multidisciplinary artists working to create connections with indigenous communities. We had a conversation about what gratitude meant to them in their work and how they had gratitude and showed gratitude in their daily lives. I'm Laura, and they're Jesse. Let's get started. First question we like to ask is, um, please introduce yourself however way you prefer to introduce yourself to others. Okay, yeah. Um, my name is Anungu Kwe Wolf. I am an interdisciplinary artist. I do lots of work with textiles, beads, and I've been dipping my toes into sound for installation. I like to do a complete immersive experience, but um, on the low key, I've also just been doing a lot of jewelry lately, just prepping for markets because I, I like interacting with people. Uh, just with the general public and so jewelry is the one way to like like really win people over so I've been doing quite a bit of that as well. Yeah my name is Jenny Gao and my pronouns are she they. I'm a second generation Taiwanese and Chinese American. I grew up in rural Kansas in the land of the Kansas, Osage, Cheyenne, and Kickapoo and for the last seven years I've been a full-time artist and entrepreneur running an anti-gentrification arts business out of Dejok which is the land of the Ho-Chunk also known as Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, my practice is rooted in printmaking, public art, social practice, and storytelling, mediums with a history of spreading democracy and breaking paradigms. And I also consult for cultural organizations in the public sector on ethics and equity in the arts. And I recently relocated to Vancouver, the land of the Muslim Squamish and Slavotic people. And I'm pursuing my MFA right now and currently developing a body of artwork and research on ethics in the arts. Oh, wow. That's, that's fantastic. Um... Welcome to Canada. Both Laura, both Laura and I are based around Toronto. Um, I want to start off then getting right into our theme for the month, and that's uh, what does generosity mean to you in your tradition? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So for me, generosity is a willingness to provide support and abundance in a way that improves life for others, for ourselves, and for future generations. Uh, I'm intentional with my word choice there to name future generations and ourselves to connect with the historic meaning of generosity and also expand it for those of us who are part of the Chinese diaspora. Uh, one of the core values in Chinese culture is filial piety or loyalty to one's parents and family. And this is both fundamental to and in tension with Chinese diasporic identities. Um, I'm Taiwanese on my mother's side and Chinese on my father's side. On both sides, I'm part of a long and fraught diaspora 
my mom's family migrated to the island of Taiwan 600 years ago, but from almost that entire time, uh, different nations have colonized Taiwan. And my dad lived through China's Great Famine and Cultural Revolution, um, and many cultural artifacts were destroyed in the modernization and industrialization of China. And so you add to that the current power dynamic between Taiwan and China, and my household was a microcosm of what we're seeing play out today. Um, so for me, as a second-generation Taiwanese and Chinese-American, growing up in this context, uh, I often feel like I have to evaluate in what ways am I uh, at odds with this tradition of filial piety, uh, and, uh, and, and how do I redefine this for myself as a part of the diaspora? And so pursuing the life that I want can feel like a rebellion uh, against notions of filial piety, and yet it isn't. Filial piety uh, or generosity is about planning for the long-term and understanding who you are in the context of your community. Uh, it's about planning for a society that cares for elders and empowers people to break um, unhealthy intergenerational cycles. Generosity, I think, is just inherent in my family. And I can't really speak for my entire culture, but for generosity, you're always... It's, it's a given that you put others first and not to like the detriment of yourself, but if you go out and you catch something or you harvest some food, it's expected for you in my community to give, give a good portion of your first hunt or your first, once again, your first gathering to your elders. Um, and it's, it's kind of funny because there is this one guy who's like really close to our family. His name's Mikey. And um, my mom is technically an elder, but she got so offended when he came up to her and he was like, I got you fish. The first fish of the season. She was like, you're supposed to give that to elders. Why are you giving that to me? <laughs> and and he was just like, oh, oh, um, about that. And so, yeah, so that's kind of generosity. Um in my community, a lot of the times I'm just on the weekends volunteering with our community fridge. And that's always like really wonderful. I love I love the the crowd of people that I get to, you know, make sandwiches with. I feel like mutual aid is kind of like a, a given um, with a lot of people of color. But some ways you can easily apply it in your life is I found out about the community fridge through social media. Um, Instagram sucks, but, um, that's an easy way to like, look around and see what mutual aid is within your area. And then just try and get involved in that. It's kind of good to like budget as well. So you're not being generous to a fault where you can't make rent. Also, there's some programs where you get to work with at-risk youth, um, where you volunteer like every other weekend and just, um, we have a program up here in Alaska called Big Brother, Big Sister. Um, and I'm trying to get involved in that right now. So that's where you work with one specific youth for a year and you like just take them out, do low cost things. Um, so you can also just be generous with your time. Um, what is the most important thing that people need to know about working cross-culturally, either within the Indigenous community or when working with non-Indigenous colleagues? I think the most important thing is like to give space to us and let us speak. I know in my culture, you're always supposed to let a person finish talking. And unfortunately, I've noticed in a lot of workspaces that Indigenous people get uh, speaking over, like we're not allowed to sometimes like finish our sentences. We should be allowed to 
finish speaking, even if it's like a very long winded explanation, it's just very appropriate. Um, and then also let us create the curriculum. Um, I've definitely known a lot of people, unfortunately, that have been in workspaces where there have been white colleagues that have been assigned speaking roles to uh, give uh, in, like history of the native peoples within the area. Um, and that's just not, that's just not cool. You're so right about that. I've uh, I've worked with indigenous people a lot in my work as a journalist and a filmmaker and I um I teach at a university and I worked at this university and they said so we're going to do this speaker series and we'd like you to come and do a talk about indigenous people and I said no you're going to raise the money and you're going to bring this person in who's going to do that talk but like they don't know any better they yeah definitely some of them don't mean to be like that but you know, other ones I've like noticed have made excuses. Um, and then a lot, I got the excuse that, um, that they were just like, oh, well, this speaker was how to be a better ally, in which I was like, well, she's not being a better ally, but by speaking on our behalf. Um, <laughs> and then also they said, oh, well, we couldn't find any uh, native scholar. You know, there's so few. Um, that were that are available and then I just like started listing off like all my friends who are native scholars I was like did you reach out to so and so and so and so and they're like I don't know who that is like do your research because there's plenty that can easily be available for an hour long like an hour long uh talk at a conference um just do better research <laughs> the phrase that that I harp on a lot is like symbolic representation with systemic change, doing these at the same time. And so often the arts get relegated to just the symbolic part. And it's really, really tempting for a lot of folks to just focus on the symbolic work that needs to be done. And what that does is it creates the conditions for things to be co-opted for diversity washing, art washing. Uh, and, and that just stokes further mistrust in the community as it should. Uh, and so if we are genuine in building trust with the community and want to plan for the long term, then we have to do the symbolic and systemic together. Can I do the rapid fire now? It's not that scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, tell us about one thing we don't talk enough about. One thing you don't talk enough about, um, as I said earlier, is that we need to give room for indigenous people to speak and like simply finish our senses and thoughts. Um, just kind of overall, at least in my community, it's quite rude to interrupt. Um, it's like train of thought, it's just respectful to your elders, uh, to people in general, let us finish what we're, what we're saying. We definitely have a lot of knowledge and insight. I don't think we talk enough about how easy it is to intentionally or unintentionally erase one person's experience with another person's experience in order to actually have meaningful movement on our social issues. We, uh, we need to expect these conversations to take time. Uh, we need to have grace for our own unlearning in that process and our own mistake making. Um, and we need to make room 
for a multiplicity of stories and resist the urge to prop up one symbol to speak for everyone. Perfect. Best book you've read this year? Oh my gosh. Oh God. I've read so many good books. Um, I think it's like post-colonial love poems. I need to like double check now. I'm, I'm starting to doubt myself. Uh, Natalie Diaz. Oh my gosh. Her poetry. I definitely have to reread it a co- like each poem a couple of times for it to like fully sink in. But like there's a couple of times reading that those poems where I was just like bawling in my bedroom. Yeah. I think it's post-colonial love poems. Oh gosh, what is the best book I've read this year? That's a great question. I'll accept more than one answer. Let me let me think for for a second on that. This is what happens to me every time someone asks me the best book. No, yeah, (laughs) and I'm like, there are so many. Where where would you like me to begin? Yes. Um, um, I really enjoyed Black Water Sister by Zen Cho. Okay. And it's the it's about a family. Uh, moving back to Malaysia after decades of disappointment uh, in in the United States, <laughs> uh, and uh, and the premise of it, uh, yeah, the premise of it being that the the main protagonist uh, gets like reaches Malaysia and can see her grandmother's ghost and the unresolved injustices of the gods. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And like one last question here. Anything we forgot to mention? Anything else you'd like to add? Mm, I guess just on the terms of generosity, I think is a great thing. It's like also just subconsciously we need to learn to decenter ourselves in the conversation you don't when you go into things like mutual aid you really shouldn't ex i mean obviously like everyone's like grateful and loving um in terms of like the mutual aid community up here in alaska um but you should definitely just go in with the mindset like oh i'm not a savior i am simply doing what's right for the community um that i am living in um because we're all like just trying to navigate this cap like capitalistic hellscape together um and you know like individualism is like very very prevalent within western society to honestly like as we're seeing as a detriment is like so you know go in just just decenter yourself um and think just be a little bit more community-minded is there anything we forgot to mention? Anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah. Um, well, one of the uh, one of the written questions you sent over that I liked was uh, about applying care and compassion to one's life, and uh, and so I uh, I recently got uh, someone recently asked me the question uh, of whether I take time to appreciate my abilities, and that word choice of appreciation stuck a nerve with me uh, because I realized in that moment that while I'm uh, I have a. I, I know my capabilities. I have an accurate assessment of my abilities. There's a difference between logically knowing and appreciating our skill sets. Uh, and then, especially for me as a femme of color, I've often had to fight for my right to do something. And so, being cast in an adversarial role sometimes, say within an institution, 
uh, subconsciously that reinforces that the talent, the talent that I have, the knowledge that I come with isn't wanted, uh, but it actually is wanted. It is wanted by many people and it is a gift. And, and I think that that's something that so many of us experience, that, that we get cast in an adversarial role, that we have to fight for what it is that we want and what we do uh, and what we care about. And to know that, uh, that even if we get cast in, say, uh, that role of having to fight for, uh, fight for things, uh, that, that what we bring to the table is indeed a gift and it is wanted by many people. Uh, and so uh, on that, that note of uh, care and compassion, uh, to it's say to revisit stories that you tell yourself uh, about yourself and about your community uh, and, and think of in what ways uh, what we come with as a gift and take time to appreciate that. So, hey, Jesse, what did we learn? Oh, hey, Laura. So this was great. I really enjoyed this session because it was quick. It was brief, but we got some great points from it. Like, let people finish their sentences. You know, uh, don't be so individualistic. Just do it for the sake of the community. And those are pretty good lessons. Go apply that. What about you? Yeah, I think that uh, I really enjoyed uh, the way that they so very succinctly said individualism is rampant in Western society. And and I was like, that's a really tough thing to say in a sentence. And I, I really appreciated that because it, it is it's exactly true. Like it's at the heart of a lot of issues is is not being a part of a community. And and it's also related to capitalism. Right. You know, every man builds their own castle and all of that kind of stuff. And and uh, in one sentence, yeah, just, you know, start being more community minded. And that's it, huge. It was really connected to something practical too, like just work. Can or what was it? The uh, local fridge, uh, right? That's it's simple, but you're not doing it because you're going to feel better about it. At the end of the day, it's what you do for the community. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. It's simple. It's an easy takeaway. Whoever's listening to this, go help prepare some meals and do good. Yeah, and just contribute to your own community, however big, however small, you know, and then, you know, then talking about big brothers and and big sisters, you know, like, it's such a simple resource. It's something that's been in our communities for as long as I can remember. And also like a great place to be generous with your time. I also really liked that. I really feel like time is the most valuable thing we have. And, you know, the time that we can spend with people um, listening and all of that. And it's funny because also, I also really loved how, uh, they brought up the idea of like, just letting us have the microphone. And I was like, yep, that's exactly why we made this podcast. (laughs) Just full circle. eh? I like that.
I recently reread Brady Sweetgrass, and I wanted to share a quote that came up while I was reading the book about gratitude. The Honorable Harvest asks us to give back. Reciprocity for what we have been given. Reciprocity helps resolve the moral tensions of taking a life by giving in return something of value that sustains the ones who sustain us. One of our responsibilities as human people is to find ways to enter into reciprocity with more than human world. We can do it through gratitude, through ceremony, through land stewardship, science, art, and in everyday acts of practical reverence. If you like what you heard today, we recommend checking out the websites of our two guests, Jenny Gao and Anagugwe Wolf, at Jenny Gao Studio and AnagugweWolf.com, respectively. Thank you.